Welcome to the Spirit of Money podcast with your host, Beth Ann McMerrick. Here we weave together the elements of personal finance and business with the spiritual side of your money. Bust through your financial barriers and transform your life, mind, body, spirit, and wallet. Beth Ann guides you in a unique and enlightened approach on how to clear your financial chakra pathways, tune up your money vortex system, and manifest your dreams come true. Here's your host, Beth Ann McMerrick. Welcome to episode five of the Spirit of Money podcast. Welcome. I'm so excited that you are here. Isn't this been awesome? I've really been enjoying creating these podcasts for you, and I hope you have been enjoying them too. So today, episode five, demystify wealth creation and embrace your riches. Yes, I said that four letter word, rich. It's very been very interesting to me how much that word rich really has such a different connection with everybody and based on your own belief systems it's an interesting point or an interesting opportunity for you to take a look at your own feelings and your own thoughts that come up as soon as I say that four letter word right rich hold on I'm going to say it again rich <laughs> Because understanding what being rich is really all about beyond what we've been told rich is about, but how do we really embrace that in our life? Because ultimately we all want to be living well and having a good lifestyle and caring for our needs and food and basic, you know, the basic necessities. We all want that, but we also have a different level of experiences that we want in our life as well. And when we don't allow ourselves to receive money and when we're not focusing on our money, we're only really creating the kind of money that we need to live paycheck to paycheck or day to day. So it really is this new relationship that we're creating with our money and an understanding of our money so that we can create you know, the life that we want, the the true wealth of life. So that's what we're going to be talking about today in episode five, demystifying wealth creation and embracing your riches. Let's get going. Okay, so let's talk about demystifying wealth and embracing your riches. Like I said, what's was very interesting to me as I've been doing my work is seeing the different reactions people give me when I talk about being rich or saying, do you want to be rich? Not only that, just even in all of the readings that I've done, when the person speaks out the word rich, there's always such a different gut reaction and gut feeling around it. And even sometimes even a heart feeling in that 
they're feeling guilty about being rich. Some people feel very guilty about being rich. There are some people that feel very angry about being rich. There's some people that feel that it's very wrong or unspiritual of them to be rich because that means they're taking money from somebody else. So there's so many different feelings and reactions to that word. And the truth is, is part of being rich is not just about having money, but it's also about the quality of life that we have and that we allow ourselves to have. And when we cringe at that word rich, what we do on a subconscious level is we start rejecting that money to come to us. And so we're not attracting the kind of clients that we want. We're not attracting the kind of money experiences that we want. Instead, we, we attract trouble. We create money drama is what, what, what we call it, money drama. <laughs> so what we don't want is we don't want money drama in our life. And so what we get to do is come to terms and come to this. We get to come to a peace of mind about this word rich and allowing more and more money to come, come into our lives. So let's first talk about what being rich has meant. I mean, money has been one of those things in our history of our evolution and of our humanity that has caused so much pain and chaos and agony in our lives. There's just different things that pursuit of being rich and at all costs, regardless of what human life or pain they create in order to get that money. And some things like the like poaching of the animals for their furs and the shells and the black market of selling of animals, the human trafficking that happens in, in our life and still happens still today, the divorce that we see that happens because that is one of the main things that couples argue about in their life is money. And so because of those arguments, then they end up getting the divorce because they're not able to combine their money attitudes and their money conversations with each other, their money beliefs together. So this is why it's so important for us to really talk about money so that we can become empowered by our money rather than becoming slave to our money. And that's ultimately that's what's happened in our society is that we have dehumanized our relationship with money. We have demonized that relationship with money. And so all of the money interactions feel very violent based on the way that we're creating the money, the way that we're being used. I mean, employees, I, most people are so hate. I mean, one of the worst days of the week, I think is Mondays, right? It's that Monday morning blah about like, oh my gosh, I got to go to work on Monday because they're, they have to go to work. I can definitely say I was one of those. I hated it. I would sit in my car before I'd walk into the office on Monday morning and take a deep breath and like, okay, I'm going into the office now because I felt like a slave to them. I had to pretend I wasn't who I really was in this in my workplaces because I wasn't being treated and valued the way I believe I should be treated and valued. And that's the common theme for most employees in business because not only are they working extra hard, but they're also getting underpaid and not getting fair compensation or benefits for the work that they're doing. And so they're not being financially valued in their work. And then they're feeling undervalued in their 
jobs and underfulfilled in their jobs. That's the other part that makes being an employee difficult is the unfulfillment of it. Now, not every employee feels this way, but I would say a great majority of employees do. I would probably say like 80% of the employment population is dissatisfied with their work environment and their work experiences to this point. And then because we're working so hard day to day, nine to five, doing these grueling hours and not having enough money to cover everything, there's another energy drain that happens because we're not able to support, we're not able to financially support our financial needs. Then on top of that, from a spiritual or from some of religious teachings and from different belief systems, from because of what people have experienced because of the traumas of money. Now being rich has been labeled as this evil thing. I mean, it's the same thing as being a racist or slavery or a slave owner. It's the same thing being rich. Like there's this undertone that's so negative and hurtful and painful, but you know, it, it wasn't the money's fault. It wasn't the money's fault. And that's what we get to understand. It was the people that were wielding the money and looking for the profit that used that money energy in a way that was not divine and not helping our planet. And this is one of the reasons why I do the work that I do is about recreating this relationship with our money and assisting you as a light worker, as a spiritual healer, as an artist, as a professional, as a man or a woman, wherever you are in your life, is to assist you in creating money from the heart space so that you can add more light to the world. Because as you add more light into the world, you are in control of that money and you are able to elevate the whole world. Because as you create money in your life, you elevate and create peace for somebody else. And it doesn't matter what job or profession or way that you're making an income, as long as it's something that's in alignment with you, something that you're loving and enjoying doing every day. You're so excited. And then like, I can't wait to go do that particular work because that's what gets you excited. That's That means that it's resonating with you, that it's in alignment with you, that it's part of your passion. Like this is for me, being here on this podcast, doing the work that I'm doing, it's my passion and it fuels me. It's what's the most interesting to me about is my own personal energy level and how I feel because now I am so excited about the work that I'm doing. I'm not dredging going to work every day because I just get to roll out of bed sometimes and just go into the other room and go to work. And that's what I love because now I'm able to produce things that I'm so excited about and I have so much information for and I'm able to use all of my years of knowledge and experience now to create something that really just drives me forward. And just, it's like Michael Jordan, I've always got to be bouncing that ball, (laughs) you know, making my hoops. It was funny because actually I always said like my profit and loss statements that I've created for clients. And when I put together all their financial information, I always called them my Mona Lisa's that these were my Mona Lisa's because they always were so beautiful. And I loved that I was able to create these financial statements that first of all, most importantly, were accurate. They were understandable and they had a 
a look to them that was easy to read. So they were my Mona Lisa's. So it doesn't matter what you do in your life. It's, or what profession, even if you're a plumber or an electrician, or you're working at the grocery store, you're working at McDonald's, or if you're working at a janitor at the school, or you're an artist and a painter and you're, or a teacher, airline pilot, whatever you do in your life, there's a purpose that you're there doing that right at this moment. And it's part of your divine journey, but it's also adding to the wholeness of our life and our communities. And it's such an important thing that we each get to value each other and what they're doing. And that's part of, again, being in our divine ego, being our divine heart space and honoring everybody as a whole and how they're really adding to the value of of our experiences. So the first step really in looking at your belief systems, your own belief systems about being rich is understanding where it even all came from or what your thoughts are about being rich yourself are. I know, I remember when I was a little girl, I remember my mother, she always had kind of this snobby thing about rich people. And I don't remember exactly what she said exactly, but I do remember she always had her nose turned up and she would say some little comment about people and I would look over and the ladies would look nice and had beautiful clothes or whatnot. And I really didn't understand it as a kid because I really didn't understand the concept of money really as a child. All I just knew was that I didn't have, that we didn't have as much as other people but I really didn't understand what being rich was all about or what that was all about. But what I do remember was I met a gentleman a few years ago that actually was from the same town that I was in. I was born in Libertyville, Illinois, and we moved to Utah when I was three years old, so I really didn't know the area. And this gentleman I met, we started talking about where I lived and where I was born. And he said, oh, you live on that side of the tracks. And I was like, what? And he said, oh, yeah, you were on the rich side of the tracks. I lived on the poor side of the tracks. And it just really surprised me because that's where my mom and my family originally was from. And so it just surprised me that I came and that my mother lived in a rich area of the neighborhood. And yet she still had this snobby belief system thoughts about rich people. So I never really, like I said, as a kid understood or had the concept of money. I don't think many kids do because honestly, a lot of kids really don't understand the sacrifice it takes to buy the things that we buy for them, especially you know, during the holidays and the pressure, they don't really understand that concept of money. Because again, it's not something that we talk about with our kids either. We didn't talk about it with our parents, not everybody, but for most people, they didn't talk about their money with their family or their parents. And some did. And we still don't as kids, as adults, instead, we're just like screaming and yelling because they want something else or because they just ruined that video game or they just ruined some other very expensive item. And they don't tend to really take care of their items very well either. And you can see that when you look at the secondhand stores and the landfills, how many toys and children's items end up in the landfill. It's really such a waste of resources. So I don't think kids really have a real grasp and concept about money and And because of that, they're not as caring about their items and the things that they're getting as gifts and what the pressure is to support the spending lifestyle that is being portrayed through the advertising and marketing. So for you, understanding where your belief systems about being rich are and 
really just uncovering them and start repatterning or rethinking about what does rich really mean for you? What does that mean for you to have money to support you? Because that's ultimately what we're doing when we keep saying, oh, I don't want to be rich. We're pushing that money away from us. We're pushing that financial opportunities away from us. At the same time, we're like scolding the money because there's not enough there for us to cover everything. So it's really just a bizarre energy that keeps clashing with each other within our psyche that vibrates out into the world that reflects in our results, in our financial results, and in our financial dramas and traumas and experiences. How I like to define being rich for me in my life is really, again, about being abundant, financially abundant. And that to me means having the money to do the things that I want to do it when I want to do them. And it's a lot of fun. Honestly, it's so less stressful when you know that you've got a couple months worth of expenses in your bank accounts. And it's really nice when you know you've got a little bit of savings. I was definitely one of those girls that was paycheck to paycheck. And if I had five dollars in my bank account, I would spend that five dollars for some reason at times in my life I would not allow myself to have enough money. I wasn't allowing myself to be supported financially. And that was in my own disbelief of my value and what my worth was in and on this planet. And so as I've grown and as I've healed my life and healed my own emotional deep trauma pain things, I've realized that I deserve to be supported just because I'm here, because I'm a human, not because I'm making some grand contribution into the world, not because of the work that I'm doing even right now, but simply because I'm a human being on this planet and I deserve to be financially supported just like every human being deserves fresh water, fresh food, fresh air, right? We all deserve these basic human energies and money is one of the energies that increases the quality of the other energies that we actually get to get meaning the quality of food based on how much money we have. Are we eating McDonald's every day or are we eating fresh foods? How are we using the financial resources in the quality of food? And there's a lot of even availability of food based on the income level of certain cities and states. I've seen research and reports about the actual availability of fresh fruits and vegetables in certain areas of towns and cities based on the income income level and population of those communities and certain higher priced foods aren't as available in lower poverty areas because the money is not there for them to buy that better quality food. So the people are still getting less quality food. So what we want to do in our life is define what that being rich means to you. What are your core values? What of those belief systems that you get to challenge? One of the belief systems or one of the myths about money has been, you've got to work hard for your money. You got to work hard for your money. And oh my gosh, it's, it is hard. It's grueling nine to five with the kids, you know, it's and half to school and all the things that you do. And then you're zonked out at the end of the day and you don't have enough energy and you don't have all the bills paid and you worry about what's going to happen. And there's this grueling thing that happens within our life. But then we tell ourselves, oh, well, we've got to work hard for our money, work hard for our money. And that's what we've been told. And it is something that we do get to have a work ethic and that we are working hard for, but it doesn't mean it's something that drains our life 
soul and soul sucking. They're not soul sucking jobs that are killing us and that are underpaying us and not treating us fairly. It's about working in an energy and in a profession and in whatever it is that you want to do and creating an income that makes your heart sing, that makes your heart soar, that gets you so excited, whether it's being in a band or being in an artist or doing some certain things in the world, being into a coach teacher, whatever it is, plumber, electrician, whatever it is that gets you so excited and that stimulates your mind and stimulates your heart and makes you want to think about what's going to happen next for it. That's always intriguing for you. That keeps you going so that you can express yourself in a way that supports your energy. Like I said, the work that I do now, I don't, it does not drain me like it did when I was needing and having to go to the office at nine to five. I'll tell you one of the best things about starting my own business. Yes, there were some definite challenges and starting a business is one of the best ways to really connect to your spiritual self because it forces you to face your money issues And one of the things about the work that I do is that money does take us into that deeper level of our spiritual self and our human self that we haven't healed yet that really pulls out all those hard knocking things that are getting in your way. And one of the biggest differences in having your own business is that you have to ask the client for the money. You have to do the sales conversations. And when you're an employee, all you have to do is turn in your time card and get your paycheck from the HR department, right? Or the payroll department. So it's a much different experience to have to face that. Here's my invoice. Please pay me now. And as a business owner, we have to set our prices and we have to think about so many other things. So, but the best thing about being in a business and starting your own business is that, well, I'll tell you my top three. One is that the dress code, it doesn't matter what I wear. I can wear whatever I want. I could wear my yoga pants and not wash my hair for five days and occasionally put on deodorant if I want to, and then never brush my teeth. I mean, (laughs) I could do all kinds of things, however I wanted to dress and do the work that I do while I'm at home or even when I'm in the office. It's just my own, what I say, I want to say, I tell you one thing that I hated more than anything when I was younger My first job actually was at Hill Air Force Base when I was in high school, and there was a dress code there. But my jobs after that in the offices, it the pantyhose, man, I'm telling you, I hate pantyhose. That was one of the worst things they would tell you, you know, the pantyhose, the nails and the hair and just the different way that you can be dressed while you're at work. And it was so uncomfortable. And then you didn't get paid enough to cover all of these clothing requirements on top of paying all the bills, household bills and whatnot. So it was very draining again, and it was just awful. So number one, best thing about not about being your own business owner is that you can have your own dress code. Number two is your own hours. I love that so much that I can have my own hours. It was a really hard transition, honestly, because I was working for 20 years, nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, nine to five, right? I was always listening to somebody about when I could come and go and when I could have lunch or not have lunch, just all those things. Like they were telling me everything I had to do, just like we were in grade school and elementary, you know, school tell us everywhere we can go and when we can go. Um, (laughs) so it honestly, it was a real challenge. But the first probably year of my business, I took a bath, uh, 
a nice long hot bubble bath every Monday morning. I would think about the girls in the office and I would think about them and everybody out in the world and I would think about how everybody out in the world was going out into the roads and having to fight traffic and going to these ugly grueling jobs that they had had to have and I was sitting there just enjoying these tubs and relaxing and just enjoying that time because I was so grateful that I was able to have my own hours and make my own schedule and give myself that pampering time to relax and enjoy the way my week started. It made such a difference. It made that first year just so enjoyable. And the other thing that was really interesting about my own hours was then I could also go shopping whenever I wanted. I didn't have to go shopping at five o'clock at night. We're here in Utah. We're going to be changing the clocks again, jumping forward here pretty soon. And in Utah, it gets, you know, pitch black around five, six o'clock during after hours traffic. And when it's the winter, it's also snowy and rainy and yucky. And then that's when everybody goes shopping. So it was so nice that I could go shopping during the day and when it was sunny. And what was funny I noticed was the first time I was at Target to go do some shopping and there were so many little old ladies out. It was so funny. And babies, little old ladies and babies. And I was like, oh, this is when the old ladies go shopping. (laughs) No wonder I never saw them at night because they knew this was prime time shopping hours was right in the mornings and in the afternoon. But it was fun. It was also very, very fun that I could have my own hours. The other thing that is awesome is about being my own boss. And I can't even tell you how many times I said, well, my boss lets me do whatever I want to do. Or I'll say, oh, my boss will let me have that weekend off. No problem. (laughs) I didn't have to check with anybody to say when I could take time off or not take time off. And I love that so much about having my own business. And there was this transition as well, because I also had this big guilt of not having to work as hard. I felt this big, huge guilt of not having to wake up at a certain time that I could sleep in when I wanted to, that I could be as flexible as I was. It really was a transition for me to shift from this employee mindset and this grueling working hour mindset, because I was so used to being told and that I had to, you know, make the most of every single moment. Now, I will tell you, I do have my own hours that I work. I still am committed to myself in making sure that I'm putting in so many hours per week and per month and per day towards my business and towards my work. And I do have clients that I get to meet with and I talk with and You know, so I still have a schedule. It's not that I don't have any kind of a schedule, but I can have a schedule any way that I want. And because I'm also my boss and because I'm the owner of the company, I also set my own rates. And one of the things that I've learned about setting our rates and setting the money, because this is another part that another money myth that's out there about our money and how much money we charge for the certain things that we do. And I see this so much is the guilt about how much we charge people for the work that we do. Now I'm talking about in entrepreneurship and even in employment, sometimes there's a feeling of guilt for not making enough or making too much money. But I I don't think that it's as, I think more in employment, 
there's more of the feeling of not being paid enough, where in entrepreneurship, there's this guilt of charging too much for the work. And because it goes back again to this being rich or being greedy, don't want to be too greedy because if you're too greedy, then you're going to be rich. And if you're too rich, you're greedy. I mean, there's these, it's this constant mind battle that we do to ourselves. However, there's a different thought pattern that I'd like to invite you to think about and possibly even incorporate into your own belief system, which is about what it really means when you allow somebody to pay you at the at a fair valued rate for your products and for your services. And there's so many different dynamics that happen. And the one that I believe is the most important that I want to share with you is this belief of or this thought that when a person invests in themselves through you. In other words, they see your product, they see your service, they decide they want to pay you for the work that you do. What that means is what's happening there in that particular situation is they are valuing themselves that much to pay you for the work that you're doing. They're saying, I'm worth paying you a hundred bucks for this one hour session. What they're saying is that they're that they value themselves enough to pay you for the work that you're doing with them or the product or service that they're receiving from you. And that's what happens when a person invests in themselves. They pay you the money for the service and energy that you're going to be providing them, whatever it is that you're doing. And based on the amount of the investment will also determine the amount of value the person will receive out of that out of what they receive, what they get from you. So how I like to explain that is imagine you have a gallon size worth of information, yet you only charge a teacup size price. Well, what happens when you give your client that gallon size amount of information? You pour it into this teacup size price and your client is only going to be able to hold a teacup worth of information. And most likely, most of that gallon of water as you're pouring it out over top of them is going to be wasted and, you know, basically fall to the floor. And your client will be completely overwhelmed. And even the little bits that they were able to maintain in their teacup, they're not going to be able to absorb it and use that information as as much as we would want them to to use it. So it is extremely extremely important that we charge the appropriate amount of pricing on our goods and services so that our clients can hold the amount of information that is available to them, right? So Make sure that you are really connecting with yourself and really being honest with yourself as to the value, the financial value of the goods and services that you're providing and make sure that you're charging appropriately. One of the other items about charging people, and and there is so many women especially that feel guilty about charging for their services, especially when it comes to our spiritual work. 
we want to just give it all away and save the world. But if we give away all of our essential energy and not receive essential financial energy back in return, then we're not able to continue the work that we're meant to be doing. And we're not able to provide, continue to provide more and more services for other people. The other part of making sure that you're charging appropriately is how are you really holding your potential clients? Are you holding them in a space that they don't have money? Are you holding them in a space of lack that they're not going to be able to create the finances in order to pay you for your goods and services? And if you're holding your clients small in their inability to produce the amount of money for your goods and services, then you're focusing again on the lack, you're focusing on scarcity, and you will then just attract clients and customers who are also in that mindset in that they can't afford certain things or that they can barely afford very little bit of things. I think that's one of the biggest issues I see with entrepreneurs in their pricing is that they price it at a a great rate, the rate that it's supposed to be. But then when they go to sell it, they discount it so smallly, so minutely, like from a $1,000 program down to $200 program, you're really doing a disservice to your clients. Because again, you're giving them that gallon size bit of information, but you're only charging them a teacup. And so they're only going to be able to hold that teacup size. And you're also energetically saying to them, I don't think you can produce any more money than that, or that you will only see your value at that $200 value, not at the $1,000 value, which I see you at is at that $1,000 value. So something to think about, something to kind of contemplate and look at how are you really structuring your prices and if you're feeling guilty about the pricing that you are charging. And it does take some balance and it does take some time for you to recognize your own value in your goods and services so that when you are pricing your goods and services, you're pricing them appropriately. And you'll know this as you work through, like when I first started doing my money readings, for example, my money readings were a lot, lot less um, than they are now. But what I was finding out was that my clients were becoming overwhelmed because I was giving them too much information and they weren't holding or they weren't able to create this container that would allow them to really absorb all of the information that we were working in. Because again, money is a huge place to do some huge, serious, spiritual, deep spiritual work and healing work for yourself. And if a person isn't investing appropriately, then they're not going to get the goodness out of that reading that they deserve to get. And so I find, you know, when I first, when I was first doing my readings and I would see people's eyes would start glazing over and then they'd be like kind of fainting over and they'd be like not engaged in it. But then when I charged the more appropriate rate at a rate that would hold the container for the amount of information that they were receiving um, and the amount of knowledge that they were receiving, their energy was more into the reading. They were getting more, more ideas. They were being more inspired by what was going on and not overwhelmed by what was going on. So that was the big difference is seeing, is your clients in overwhelm or are they 
inspired by the work that you're doing with them. And if you're seeing that they're overwhelmed by it, it's probably because you're not charging enough for what you're doing and what you're providing, what services you're providing. So demystifying wealth creation is allowing yourself to step into your divine passion. First of all, what is it that you love to do? Most of the time when people are starting out in building their careers, a lot of times they think, oh, what can I make the most money doing? And it really is the backwards way of creating an income is by focusing on what what amount of money you can get doing the particular job. Now, I will definitely say in our new, you know, 2018, especially with the younger generation, you know, they're more and more and more into following their dreams and following their gifts and, and they are getting a lot more support in that than I know in my generation and older generation received as far as going out and being an artist or a healer or spiritualist or whatnot. It was more about you got to have a practical job. You got to go to work nine to five. You know, you have to hit the nose to the grindstone and work, work, work. But now in taking a spiritual approach and a more enlightened approach towards creating wealth in your life is creating wealth through things that you love doing. What is it that you enjoy doing? What is it that you've dreamed about doing your whole life? I mean, as a child, there were certain things that you may have been excited about doing. Now, I know for myself as a young girl, I really didn't have a dream or thought of like I was going to do anything. But I do remember I used to play school with my brothers and sisters. Um, Like I said, I'm the oldest of eight. And so I would, my dad, he got these classroom chairs. I don't know where he got them. He probably picked them up somewhere. Who knows what? He always had weird ideas. But he brought home all these little schoolhouse type chairs and desk things that my uh, that we set up downstairs in the basements and I played school with the kids. So that probably leads to why I, you know my thoughts as far as being a teacher and that's part of what I do here in my work is teaching. But the other thing that I used to do, I used to go over to a little friend of mine that lived down the street and we would set up in her backyard a stage with curtains and whatnot. And we would produce our own little plays and, and we would have our own little, um, we actually sang, actually, we didn't really do plays. We sang, we were doing songs. And again, it leads back into part of what I'm doing again now is that being on stage, talking about my passions, talking about things that get me excited and that have some value that I can share with others to improve their life, to bring more joy into their life. And that's ultimately what for me that makes, that satisfies me is that I'm able to use the different skills and interests that I have always had since I was a young child, but I'm also able to use these skills and knowledge and information to support and improve other people's lives as well through the work that I'm doing. So what is it for you that you enjoy doing? How is it that you like to contribute into the world and what kind of intentions or what what kind of impact do you want to make in the world and with people in the world? The other part about demystifying wealth creation is, you know, we think it's going to happen overnight. Boom. No. We want to make our millions. No. If you want to make your millions, you got to start with making your hundreds first, and then you can make your millions, right? Your millions, your your hundreds, your thousands, your ten, ten hundred thousands, and then your millions. You know, it's a 
process and it takes time to do certain things. And wealthy people, believe it or not, also balance their checkbooks. So that's another thing. That's just a little side tip. No. However, taking action on your ideas constantly, you're constantly going to be getting ideas of things that you can create. And the important thing is, is to take action on those ideas to complete and follow through with those ideas. Believe in who you are and why you are getting these ideas to do the things that you're doing in the first place. And if you're getting the promptings to do certain things, even though you may not how to know how to get from A to Z, you go from A to B, then B to C, then C to D, then D to E. And then eventually you will see all the little steps to get you to Z. But not only that, you will also be supported by the universe and they'll bring people in and other resources in to support you, to teach you how to go from A to Z, right? To teach you how to take those other steps. Because again, we're not all knowing of all kinds of things, especially nowadays with the technology the technology changes so fast and can be so overwhelming. But if we're not trusting in our vision, believing in ourselves and trusting that everything that our vision will come through and will be supported by the universe as we take committed action, that's really the most important thing. Wealth creation doesn't happen overnight. It takes little bit by little bit, day by day, day by day. And so Doing something, doing two to three things every day towards your goals and towards that big vision of yours is the way to build that wealth in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time and that's okay because it's all a journey anyway, right? It's all about journey and growth and learning and enjoying the creative process, enjoying that part of it. The other part about demystifying wealth creation that I really, really want for you to think about on a personal level for yourself is what does being rich really mean to you? What does being wealthy mean to you? How do you value certain things in your life? Is it just about money? I mean, I know for me, it's not just all about money. It's about being able to make a contribution. It's about being able to inspire others. And so for you, what are those values that, that you see in your life that create that wealth and that richness of life for you? I like having a nice, cozy, snuggy little place to live in. I don't want a big house. Some people want a big house. I want to have a little house and I would like to have a little mountain vacation cabin someplace by a river that would be super nice. But for me, my values and my belief about what rich means or being wealthy means is com going to be completely different from what you believe it is and what you value most in your life. So knowing what you value the most in your relationships as an individual is in a family unit and as a business owner or as a customer and a client, or as even as an employee, knowing and defining for yourself what rich and wealthy really is for you is going to be so important in order for you to allow the fullness of life to be part of your life, the fullness of life to support you. It isn't all about just having a bunch of money in the bank account. Being rich for me, and I'm sure for you as well, 
is part of it is the relationships and the quality of the relationships. Not so much that I'm getting gifts or getting things or doing things or having experiences, but more about what relationships I have, how the, how it is in the time that we spend together, right? That that, those times together, like with my grandson right now, like those are the most precious, precious times right now. And I'm so grateful because I'm able to have that time with my grandson and be with him on a different level, of course, than my children, because as we all know, grandkids rock, they rule. (laughs) They're amazing. Grandkids are amazing. I love my grandson. Little Jackson is his name. And those moments with him have become so beautiful and such an important part of my life. And it isn't just about the fact that I've got money there to to take care of things or take him to lunch or buy him shoes or, you know, hang out at the park or do whatever. It's just that time that I get to be with him. So for you, what is it that, how do you define richness in your life and allow that to be what you permeate into the world and allow that richness, right? The richness, the fullness of the air that we breathe, the the food that you eat, the time that you spend with your family and friends, the experiences that you have climbing the mountains or rope repelling or, you know, bungee jumping or something, or even just kayaking down the stream or walking through the forest and seeing the different grasses and trees that are in the forest. There's such a richness and fullness to life that's available for us to connect into that is way beyond the money. So we want to allow ourselves to receive all of the richness of life and enjoy every piece of it, every piece of it, including the money. I think one of the biggest regrets that I've heard from older people that they have said over and over again was what they regretted the most was that they constantly just worked for the money and didn't take the time to be with their friends and family, that they were working, working, working. And I know for myself as a single mother, that's one thing that I had to do is I worked all the time and I was constantly like concerned and worried about paying the mortgage, paying the bills, getting things for the kids, taking care of whatever needs to be done, that I missed out on all the time with them growing up that I could have spent with them. And you know, we do what we have to do. And that's part of life. However, making work the priority for money, the priority over your family will drain that connection and that spiritual self, that spirit within yourself. So don't let yourself regret your pursuit of financial abundance. Create a balance for yourself where you're pursuing the financial abundance and things that you love, but also valuing the time and energy and the experiences that you have with other people. Some of the best things about having more money and, and, and allowing myself to be rich and have more financial abundance in my life is that it allows me to be more generous. And that's what will happen for you as well is we want to be more generous. We always want to be giving to others, but when we're giving so much away that we're not caring for our own financial resources or our own financial needs, we end up giving away 
too much energy and we we really end up creating a lack energy in one that is self-sabotaging and keeping us limited to our ability to do things in the world. So allowing yourself to be rich will give you also the opportunity to allow you to be more generous, to give to your favorite charity or your favorite causes. The next benefit of allowing yourself to be rich and allowing yourself to have money and receive financially is that most importantly, you're able to provide more self-care for yourself, hence self-care. And that means giving yourself some extra TLC time, right? Maybe that means getting a massage, getting a weekly pedicure, getting manicures done, maybe just sitting out at the spa for a weekend or hiring somebody to come in and clean your house for you. There's other things that allowing yourself to have money because we tend, especially as women, to just run, 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 take care of everybody else's needs, make sure everything is taken care of, and we put ourselves at the very end. And when you have more money, when you have that peace of mind that there's money in the bank, that there's savings sitting there, that you can relax just a little bit, it gives you that ability and that time to take a breath and take care of yourself. And that's one of the key one of the best benefits of allowing yourself to have more money is that you can take care of yourself at a level that you deserve to be cared for. There's a quote that I heard Bob Proctor make, and he said, think only of the richness the world is growing into instead of the poverty the world is growing out of. And I really, really like that quote. And I think that it's really important for us to see that the richness of the world is so abundant. And there's so many things that add to the fullness of our life, not only financially, but emotionally, spiritually, in relationships, in opportunities and experiences. There's such a full life that we can have if we allow ourselves to receive abundantly and within our our heart space. In other words, that we are receiving in a divine financial economy, that the money that we are producing and creating in our life and spending out into the world is supporting our world and supporting our communities in a way that's in a divine way that supports the whole community and doesn't damage that community. So allowing yourself to receive and one final tip on, on just that is just take a moment in your days and take a deep breath and close your eyes, center yourself, hold your hands to your heart and just say that I receive, I receive, I receive three times. Say it three times again. I receive, I receive, I receive. And this is a way to start allowing yourself to receive in all the goodness of life that we've been so conditioned and so used to pushing away good things, pushing away the compliments, pushing away the assistance from other people, pushing away the good things in life and the beautiful things in life. We're so accustomed to taking less and not supporting ourselves and supporting our own needs in a way that really serves us. So again, 
hands over your heart, close your eyes. I receive, I receive, I receive. Okay, that's it for this week's episode of the Spirit of Money podcast. I'm so thrilled and so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do hope to see you in our next episode of the Spirit of Money podcast. I wish you many, many money blessings. Peace in. Thank you for listening to the Spirit of Money podcast. Are you ready to transform your money life? Imagine making money that nourishes your body and soul. Visit DivineMoneyMastery.com for more information about products and services created to empower your money life and to contact Beth Ann via email, Facebook, and Instagram. Sign up to receive a complimentary ebook written by Beth Ann, Five Steps to Money Peace of Mind Quick Guide. Discover the spiritual side of your money to increase your abundance and divine financial wealth. Join us next time on the Spirit of Money podcast.